to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Thank you so much. Good job, Eric. Good singing this morning. Everybody, good job. Galatians chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed these last few weeks preaching um, what turned out to be a series on salvation and what it means to be saved and the different aspects of salvation. And today I want to finish that by preaching on adoption. I want to talk about adoption, what it means to be uh, adopted as a child of God. So Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters, ladies. Does no damage to the scripture there. It's implied. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore... You are now notice this. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir of God, excuse me, through Jesus Christ. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for reverence the word. Um, no anecdotes, no fancy stories, no illustrations, no funny stories. I just want to jump right into this. I know that that there are two ways to be a member of a human family. Two ways. Natural birth and adoption. That's it. If you want to be part of a family, then it's either through natural birth or adoption. Likewise, there are two ways to be a member of God's family. Spiritual birth, called regeneration, or being born again. I've been preaching on these, so I've been preaching about regeneration and redemption and reconciliation. Or spiritual adoption. That's how you get into the family of God. And what I understand is that when you are saved, both actually occur. You are born again, you're changed, there's a, there's a new birth that takes place, and you are adopted as God's child. And when I, when I read Galatians chapter 4, I love that passage. It's a very, very powerful passage. It says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. You see in this passage a natural birth, the birth of Jesus, and you see in it language that makes you think about a birthing process. When the fullness of the time had come. Now, most preachers, when they preach this, they talk about how 2,000 years ago, Rome had conquered the civilized world. You had the Pax Romana, the peace. There was no conflict. They created this road system so that you could travel anywhere. And then the Greeks had given them a common language. Everybody spoke the same language. So it was the right time, the appointed time for Jesus to come so that the gospel could spread. And all that's true. But when I read it this time, I was thinking in the terms of a pregnant woman. Because when a woman is pregnant and she's coming to the conclusion of her pregnancy, we talk about things like the baby is due. We say things like the baby has come to full term. And it's similar. When the fullness of time had come, when the the full term had arrived, see, it's very similar language. God sent forth his son. Made of a woman, born of a woman. So you have this sense, and, and, it's, and it's really that way. For hundreds of years, 
even longer, there had been prophecies about the coming of Jesus. And then there had been people living in anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. So there was this expectation, just like there's an expectation when a, when a woman is pregnant, there's an expectation that the baby's going to be born. Any time now, it's going to happen. And 2,000 years ago it happened. And Jesus came, born of Mary, born in Bethlehem. But it was a, not just a natural birth, it was a supernatural birth. And it was his supernatural birth that, was, that, 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 that happened that occurred so that we could experience spiritual birth and we could be adopted by God. So I want to talk about adoption today. That's what I want to talk about. Um, and, and what I want to point out to you is adoption is always contrasted with slavery and is very closely connected with redemption. Just like last week I told you that justification is usually juxtaposed or closely contrasted with condemnation, adoption is contrasted with slavery. And so let me show you what I mean. Redemption, redemption occurs when Jesus ransoms you from the slave market of sin. That's what it means to be redeemed. Years ago they say, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. There's an old hymn in the church you sing. So what does that mean? It means that I was a slave to sin, but God came in, Jesus came, gave his life, paid the price, his blood was a currency, and he redeemed me, bought me out of the slave market of sin. Because, see, before Christ saves you, you're a slave to sin, but when Jesus saves you, he not only frees you from sin, but God adopts you as his son or daughter. That's why we love to sing here, I'm no longer a slave to fear. You know the rest of it? I am a Child of God. Yeah, we sing that here, and that's why that song is so meaningful to us. That's why that song blesses us. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That song really, honestly says what we were and what we are now. So when God adopts you, he takes you as his son or daughter. And adoption, I think everybody here has an understanding of what adoption is, but let me just go through it. Adoption is the legal process of taking a child as your own. So when you adopt a child, you become their parent, and the child becomes a full and legal member of your family with all the rights and the privileges of a biological son or daughter. And so what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. When God adopts you, he takes you as his own. You belong to him. You're his child, and he becomes your heavenly father. And you are a member of God's family, and you are an heir and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Because fathers leave everything they have, their inheritance, to the son, to the child. I'm going to pick in this case a son. Well, God, in, their, in divine counsel, in divine operation, God in his three persona has, has designated as God the father and God the son. Okay, now we know they're equal in one in essence and power and glory, but God took these roles on, I think, much for us. And so just as a son inherits from the father, so you have that the, the, the son is inheriting everything that the father, Jesus said, all that the father has is mine. But when we become members of the family, guess what? We have access to the inheritance too. So everything that the father has, we get. That's pretty good right there. And this is what God meant when he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. Watch this. And I will receive you. That's like adoption. I'm going to receive you and take you as my own. And I will be a father to you, and you should be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 
How many of you know there's a big difference between a slave master and a father? Now, some of you may say, well, you didn't know my daddy. And I hope your daddy wasn't a slave master. But there is a big difference between a slave master and a father. Sin is a slave master. Okay? And slave masters use and abuse the slaves. It's just, they're just, you're just property to them. And so they use you and abuse you. Listen, the pleasures of sin seem good for a season. But the longer you stay in sin, the more toll it takes on your life. Sin is destructive. Sin is contrary to all that's good and healthy for you. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your health. It'll, it'll, it'll take away your job. It will, it will destroy you. Okay, that's what sin does. It, it's a taskmaster who doesn't care about you. A father, on the other hand, loves you and cares about you and protects you and nurtures you. And that's what God does. You are his child. You are the apple of his eye. You are his pride and his joy. There is a, a man named John Eldridge who wrote a book called Wild at Heart. And man, I would recommend, even if you don't like to read, you would enjoy this book. This is a book that every man can read. I would recommend that every man in this church gets a copy of Wild at Heart. Ladies, uh, help your husband get wild at heart. It is a fantastic, when you read it, you're going to want to go, you want to go chop down a tree, you want to go shoot a deer, you want to go climb a mountain, you want to kayak the Colorado River, you just want to go out and just be, do something manly. It's that kind of book, it's just, you know, because I'm kind of a man's man guy, I, I want to go out and just, just maybe want to go just do something. Just, you want to get out of the house and just go be a man. It's that kind of book, I love it, it's a great book. And in that book, in one of the chapters, John Eldridge was talking, you know, his kids were little than his boys. He talked about how it is, now listen to this, it is the responsibility of the father to give the son his identity. It is the responsibility of the father to give the son his identity. And, and girls, this works for you too, ladies, but, but, but in this particular case, he was talking about the sons. He told a story how his son, one of his sons was real little, and he did something that took a lot of courage. It probably wouldn't take a lot of courage for us as grown men, but for him as a little boy, it took a lot of courage. You know, like the first time a child climbs up a, a ladder, a slide, on the, the ladder on the slide, and slides down, it's terrifying. And, and, but, but, and so he did something like that. And when he did, John looked at his son and said, you're so brave. I'm so proud of you. You're so brave. He said his little son just beamed. And said, in a few minutes, he played and he came back over. Watch this. He came back over to his dad and said, Daddy, I am brave, aren't I? See, dad had created his identity. He said, you're brave. You're brave. And you see, what we do in the natural is what God does for us spiritually. You know, there are people who have fathers that tell them they're no good, that you're a mistake, that I wished you were never born, you're never going to amount to anything. And what they don't realize is they are creating that identity for their son. But good sons create good identities for their fathers, or fathers for their sons, rather. They create good identities. I, I learned something from an older, wiser man than me years ago when my, my sons were still at home and small, and I practiced this. They said to me, and men, this might help some of you, he said, don't just tell your kids you're proud of them when they do something good. Tell them that you're proud of them just because they're your child. 
And so I would do that, and Jaron was playing ball, and he'd play good. I'd say, son, you sure played good, or you made a great play. And then a lot of times I'd look at him and say, but let me tell you something. Even if you didn't, I still am proud of you just because you're you. And, you, you, you're ch- and see, what you do is you create the identity. So what does God do? When we get in his word, God, we, God adopts us, and he starts to create our identity because our de- identity has come from sin in the world and, the, and, and, and our flesh and the devil, and they've told us what we are. But we have to have a reprogramming of the mind, and I'm in a new place now. And so what happens? God looks at you and says, let me tell you who you are now. You're special. You're chosen. You're holy. You've been justified. You are generous. You are loving. You're kind. You're good. You're you're, you're purposeful. You live your life with purpose and meaning. You're both tough and tender. You're You're not one or the other. You're both. You're the perfect balance of toughness and tenderness. You're meek. Okay? You're 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 strong. That's what God said. He says, you're brave. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. God speaks into our life. And as God begins to speak into our life and our identity comes from him, then we find that we don't need our jobs to create our identity. A lot of men, if you say, who are you, they'll tell you what they do for a living. Who are you? I'm this, I'm this, and they'll tell you what their job is. That's not who you are. That's what you do to make money to take care of your family and pay the bills and provide. Who you are is something entirely different. And when you're born again and when you're adopted by Jesus Christ, then you are so much more. Because your identity is in God. I love to tell this story. I've told it for years. There was a man... Uh, his name was Glenn Berto. Um, Glenn had a youth group of a thousand teenagers at a church. He was at a mega church, a thousand teenagers. Can you imagine? That's 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 bigger than most churches. And Glenn had a girl in his youth group named Mary Ann. And uh, Mary Ann was coming to the youth group. wasn't saved. I don't didn't have any church background. They sent her to a, a, a church camp during the summer, and she got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit. God baptized her with the Holy Ghost and empowered that young lady, and they begin to tell her, now you're a child of God, you're a daughter of God, you're, you have the power of God, you're anointed. And she went back to Glenn Berto's youth group, and they told him what happened. He began to disciple her, tell her that God could hear her prayers and answer her prayers and teach her who you are. And Well, school started, and she would carpool with a guy named Randy. And Randy, if you open the trunk of his car, looked like he robbed Best Buy. You know, one of those cars that goes by playing music so loud that it rattles your windows. And so he had one of those. So Mary Ann would always carpool with Randy and another late girl in the back seat. Randy had that thing cranking up. That, and it was bad music. He liked that hard rock and demonic stuff. And he was playing this stuff and, you know, all that stuff. And, 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 and she's in the Well, it used to be she'd like to listen to it. But now she's sitting in the back. And she's got her Bible, man. She took her Bible to school. Isn't that cool? Took her Bible to school. She's, she's in. She's a child of God. And now she doesn't like it. It's, it's rubbing wrong against her spirit. See, once you get saved, nobody has to go around and tell you what you got to change. The Holy Spirit will change you. You'll know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going there. I'm not hanging out with you. I'm not listening to this. I'm not watching this anymore. And so she's just, and she said, Randy, can you turn it down? He said, turn it down. I'm going to turn it up. He cranked it up even more. And so she's just sitting back, her, back there listening in the back seat. And then she remembered that they had taught her that you're a daughter of God, a child of God. You can ask God for anything, and he'll do it for you. 
And so Mary Ann out loud said, God, destroy Randy's sound system right now. That's how she prayed it. Guess what happened? The sound system went poop and shut off. He pulls over the side of the road. He doesn't even care about getting them to school. He's got the trunk open, and he's trying to mess with cords and buttons, and nothing's changing. And they're standing out there with him. And then this other little girl, little snitch, she said, Randy, I know what happened to your sound system. Marianne had her Bible open, and she prayed and asked God to destroy your sound system. It's her fault. And at this point, Randy is so exasperated, he turns around to Marianne. He said, did you do that? And little old Marianne has just got saved, you know, full of the Holy Ghost. She went, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> oh, what happened next was bad, y'all. She said, you know, Marianne told Glenn the story. She said, Randy started cussing her out up one side, down the other. Blue flames were coming out of his mouth. He was calling her everything in the book and just beating her down. <laughs> he became a believer beating her down, and she's just standing there taking that. And then at that moment, she remembered again who she was, that she was a daughter of God, that she, was, she belonged to God, that she didn't have to put up with this, and something swelled up within her. It was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit rose up within her, and she said, Randy, stop! And it took him off guard because that wasn't how Randy was. I mean, Mary Ann was, and he kind of stopped. And this is what she said to him. This is a true story. She said, Randy, if you don't get in this car and take me to school, I'm going to ask God to do to you what he did to your sound system. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that story. She told Pastor Glenn, he, Randy shut up, got in the car, and drove her to school and never said another word. Listen, that's what I'm trying to teach you is, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now on a Sunday morning in the second service. That's when you know who you are. When your identity is, I'm not just somebody that's been reformed. I'm not just somebody that's religious. I have been changed. And God has translated me from a slave to a son to a daughter. And all the blessings of heaven are mine. And I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to God. He is my daddy. It's awesome, isn't it? You know, earthly adoption can be a long and complicated process. But spiritual adoption is so much easier. No paperwork. I want to take you to John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. John 1, 11 and 12. Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege the opportunity to become children of God to those who believe in his name. There's two key words there, receive and believe. Receive and believe. Everybody say receive and believe. That's what it says. You just receive Jesus as your Savior, and you believe that what God said he'll do, he will perform. You put your confidence and trust in him. And if you do that, you have the privilege of becoming an adopted child of Almighty God. That's powerful. That's why Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, let me just say this. God is not reluctant in the least bit in this adoption process. Nobody's coercing God to adopt you. Nobody's forcing God to adopt you. He does it because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, this is one of those great passages of the Bible. 
Behold what manner of love. What manner of love? What kind of love are we talking about here? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Don't you ever doubt the love of God for you. Don't you ever let the devil or anybody or anyone or anything ever make you feel like you are a second-rate person, a stepchild, that, that, you don't, that you don't matter to God, that God doesn't care about you. You have no idea how much God loves you. If he would send his only son to die for you, there is no greater example or evidence that can prove to you his love. And when he adopts you and you're born again and he saves you, he loves you with everything that is within him. I like to say this, he sent his son to die for you so you could be his son or daughter and live for him. That's how much he, he loves you. And your earthly father may not have known you. Your earthly father may have been absent in your life. Your earthly father may have been abusive, whether that's verbally or physically, emotionally, or both, or all three. Your father may have just been a, not a good father and didn't love you. I, I, I had a, a young man in my youth group that his dad got this thing in his head. If, there's, if there are any men here like this, you get rid of this today. Now, you listen to me. You stop doing this. He would, he would never tell his son that he loved him. He never heard those three words, I love you. His dad had the philosophy as well, I work hard and put a roof over your head and food on the table and clothes on your back. That's how I tell you I love you. That's a bunch of baloney. Your children need to hear you, Dad, as, as long as you live. They need to hear out of your mouth. They need to hear you say, I love you. You matter to me. You are important to me. And I'm here to tell you, God will tell you every day of your life, even when you fail, even when you mess up, even when you don't get it right, even when you feel unworthy, and the devil's saying, why don't you throw in the towel and quit? You don't need to serve God. You're a failure spiritually. Oh, no, that's when the Heavenly Father says, yeah, you messed up, but I forgive you. You and I love you and you get up and I'm going to help you and teach you and we're going to grow and I'm going to work in you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. God will never be an absent father in your life. Ever. Hallelujah. His love is incomprehensible. It's immeasurable. So what are the benefits of being adopted by God? Because there are benefits. Okay, we love these kind of stories. Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist. I'd like some more, please. You know, that's a great line from him. I'd like some more, please. Remember that when he went up and asked for more? Um, we love those. Annie, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. I'll do the stage thing. We love Annie, okay? We love these stories, right? Daddy Warbucks adopts her and she has nothing, and now she's got everything because Daddy Warbucks has got the bucks. And Mr. Brownlow adopts Oliver Twist, and now he had nothing. He's poor, a little orphan. Now he's got everything. So we love these stories. So the Bible says that when we are adopted by God, that there, there are some benefits. And I can't preach everything, so I'm going to preach three things that are just really, really, just really fit in here, really, really strong and powerful. Speak to you, okay? Here's the first one. You have intimacy with God. Instant intimacy with God. Now this is so important. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. How many of you are glad you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Isn't that awesome? The Spirit of the Lord, when you woke up this morning, He was there. When you go to bed tonight, He'll be there. He's with you in everything you do. Okay? He's there in the good times and in the bad times. I played golf the other week, and I was playing by myself, 
And I got in a hole, and there were seven young men in seven carts out there. I don't know how they got out there. It was so hot, I guess nobody else was playing. And they were in front of me. I thought, good Lord, how am I going to get through seven guys? Well, when I got around the next hole, they were all sitting there waiting. They said, come on, play through. And it was a par three. And I said, oh, man, i got to play through with seven guys standing right here in the tee box. I'm going to shank this ball, top it. It's going in this lake. It was a lake. I had to hit over a pond. And I set up. I might have even prayed, help me, Jesus. Help me right now, Lord. My ego, help me, Lord. I hit the sweetest eight iron you've ever seen, 155 yards. It hit the green and started tracking for the hole. And those seven young guys, they started yelling like I was at the Masters. <laughs> going hole, it's going in. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've only had I've only had one hole in one. I thought I'm about to get my second hole in one. I mean, it was going straight to the stick. It rolled right up past the cup about six inches and stopped for a tap in birdie. Now, that was a wonderful moment. I'd have loved it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit was there with me. He's there with you when you almost get a hole in one. He's there with you when the boss chews you out because you forgot to do an assignment. He's there. He's with you when your wife's mad at you because you forgot to take out the trash. He's with you in everything. He's there when your health's not good. Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit's with us. Now, what does he do? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. And he helps you to relate to God in an intimate way. And he says, the Bible says that he helps us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now let me explain that to you. Abba, Abba are the two simplest little words that can come out of a mouth of a human. Babies, Abba, Baba. And I think in, 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 uh, in Arab countries, they call the father Baba. I think it's Baba. So, so just to kind of help you understand this, this, how you understand, that's Abba, Abba. It's the simplest terms that can be said. Abba is a diminutive term that we would relate to with this, dada, mama, okay, dada, papa, papa God. And so, now get this, what the Holy Spirit does is help you to, to be able to relate to God, even in your communication, in a very close, intimate, fundamental way. And you say, why is that so important? Because you've been a slave to sin, you've, been in, you've had animosity with God, enmity with God, you've used God's name in vain, you haven't even cared about God, maybe you didn't even know if God existed, or you thought God didn't exist, you were an atheist, and now all of a sudden you have been saved, and God is real, and you've always been at odds with God, now, boom, in an immense instant, he's your father, you're his daughter or son, you've got to connect with him. The Holy Spirit helps it not to be awkward. The Holy Spirit helps it to be instant, where instantaneous, where you just connect with the Lord to the point that you can call him daddy or papa in that intimate way, okay? Isn't that powerful? Listen, some of you men right now may be going, so what are you telling me? I'm supposed to pray and call him Papa God? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm preaching. That ain't happening, Pastor. I ain't going to say no Papa. But hold on. Hold on, in case you think you're too big and bad for that. Jesus, you're not bigger and badder than Jesus, are you? Are you? You ain't. Okay. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane about to pay sin's price to save you. Y'all with me? He's about to go to the cross has the weight of the world on his shoulder, go to Mark 14, I think it's verse 26, and read it. And praying in that garden, he said, watch this, it's in your Bible. He said, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, if Jesus can call him Dad, Papa God, 
don't you think you can too? Well, I'm still not going to do it, so hurry up and move on. Hold on a minute. I'm not done with you. Matthew 18.3 says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children. Did you hear what I just said? Become as little children. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I remember the first time I heard this. There's a lady named Nancy Harmon. She would travel with a group of young people and sing and do services. And I was a teenager, and she came to Tremont Avenue Church of God. And I was there, and, and, and I had known Nancy because I'd seen her in other places, and I loved Nancy. And she was singing, and she, they'd have, she'd have church. And she was talking, and she was ministered, and she started talking about Papa God. I almost fell out of my pew. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you can't, I'm thinking in my mind, you can't do that. That's blasphemy. You don't call God Papa God. And she kept saying it. And the longer she did it, I thought, this woman knows God. You know, the way I was taught to pray, our dear and kind, most gracious heavenly Father. Right? We thank thee this day for the bountiful blessings that thou hast blessed upon us. Bless you, Lord. You know, and we pray in Elizabethan English. Nobody talks like that. But that's how we did it back then when I was a teenager. And his father, you know. And she's calling him Papa God. Papa God. And I thought, and the longer I listened to her, I thought, this woman knows God. I want to know God like that. I don't want him to be some far off distant. You ever seen those TV shows where the father won't hug his kid, he shakes hands with him? Oh, I just want to reach through the screen and slap the father. I just want to slap the Hug him. He's your boy for Pete's sakes. He's dying. Can't you tell? He wants you to touch him. Hug him. I can't reach through the screen. Anyway, I forgot what I was talking about now. Papa God. So that intimacy, that intimacy. And, and what happened was I learned to develop in my own prayer life. I did it this morning. I got up early. I walked, prayed. And while I was praying, I usually start this way. I pray the Lord's Prayer. So I'll start with the Lord's Prayer. I'll say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I'll say, Papa God, I love you so much. And I thank you for this beautiful day. Blue skies, sunshine, the birds are singing. It's going to be a beautiful day. Thank you, Lord. It's the Lord's day. This is the day the Lord has made. And I just talk to him in intimacy. If you don't have that, you need to pursue that with everything you have. Because he's your daddy. He's your father. Um, Intimacy means you have direct access to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. A slave or an enemy doesn't have access to the throne of God. But the prince or the princess can come anytime they want to or they need to. Y'all, you don't have to make an appointment to meet with the king. You can meet the king anytime because you're a child of the king. That's why you can pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You can approach him anytime and reach him and talk to him. So just know that you can be intimate with God. You can be close and personal with God. Look, and I'm speaking to men this morning because I just got this on my heart, and it's just, you know, and I'm a man's man. I shoot guns and got a four-wheeler and a bass boat, and I'm an outdoors kind of guy, but, you know, so just that ruggedness. But, but, men, you can be rugged and do all that, but you need to have a tender side to you. You need to be tough and tender. And there, there's got to be that side of you that says, yes, I'm a grown man. And, and, and all, the, all the things that go with that. I'm married. i got kids. At my stage, I have grandkids. I pastor a big church. Whoop-de-doo. And, you know, all that stuff. All this responsibility. All these employees. But you gotta, you got to reach a point where when it comes to God, 
you just, you just change, and you, you go as a child. I've cried in his presence like a little kid. Like I sobbed in his presence. Now, I don't apologize for that to you. I, don't, I can tell you that. I'm not ashamed because I don't answer to you. He's my, you're not my daddy. He's my daddy. Okay, so I don't care what you think of me. And if you have trouble with that, you have more problems than I do because I can get humble before God because he is God. I'm, just, I'm nothing but a human. And I was a lousy human at that, called a sinner. But he saved me. So when I come to him, I drop all pretenses. And when I get with him, I'll, I'll get vulnerable. I tell him my deepest longings and my struggles and my deepest things that I'm struggling with, my hurts. I tell him all. And I'll cry sometimes in his presence. I'll weep like a baby in his presence. But I know that my heavenly father watches over me. And he'll take care of me and he'll help me. And when I'm through, he'll console me and he'll, he'll re just like I would with my boys when they were little. My, something happened to my boys, I'm going to take care of them. If they wanted to come talk to me, they can talk to me. And, 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 we, and you know, listen, we need to tell God we love him because he loves us. He's told us he loves us. We need to, when we talk to him, you need to tell, do you tell God you love him? You know, I may, I may assume you do, but just, do, do, you, do you ever just not, are you just all the time asking him for stuff? I mean, I, I'm glad my boys, they come to me. I used to tell them, my name's not D-A-D. My name, my name is A-T-M. Because every time you're coming up, you want more money for something. Sometimes dads feel like ATM. But, but dads want to hear our, their kids say, I love you. Little Bo, my little grandson, tore me up a few months ago. Me and Jaron Bo went out to eat. We were sitting over here at Fiesta. Out of the blue, and Barrett, Barrett was there. That, out of the blue, Barrett just out of the blue popped up and looked at me and said, Papa, I want to be just like you. I said, Bo, I love you so much. And next to you telling me that you love me, that is the sweetest, greatest thing you've ever said to me in your entire life. You couldn't give me a million dollars for that. See, and, and isn't it true? We love to, listen, we love to hear it when God says it. We love to hear people say it to us. We need to say it to God. I love you, God. I love you, Papa God. I worship you. And I praise you and exalt you. So there's, there's intimacy with God. Let me just move on. The second, there's immediate integration into the family of God. You get an instant family. Instant family. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens and members of the household of God. Literally, members of the family. I have waited the whole sermon to get right here to do my sister sledge impersonation. Sister Sledge sings, we are family. I got all my sisters and me. Right? So I said, I'm going to rewrite the song. We are family. I got all my brothers, sisters, and me. I rewrote the song, see? Everybody get up and sing. Woo! I'm done now. Everybody watching by internet, I know you're just dying at home. But Sister Sledge got it right. We are family, right? Like, you're my brothers and my sisters. Like, when I see you, I don't see church people. I see my family. When I pray about y'all, I pray about you thinking about you as my family. I mean, I've been your pastor for 21 years. We're kind of past that employer-employee relationship thing. You know what I'm saying? We're kind of past that pastor-church member thing. You are my family, and I love you as my family. And we love each other as family. 
We get an instant family. And you know, back in the day, we'd call each other brother and sister. My kids think that's hilarious. You know, it's, it, 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 it would be uh, uh, sister, sister Teresa, brother Brandon, you know. And, it, and if they were older, you used their last name. You remember that? Be brother and sister Putnam. I remember somebody called Leah sister Sistar. She said, whoa, 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 that's my mother-in-law. Don't call me that. We don't use that phrase and terminology anymore. It, it's kind of slipped away. But you know what it was expressing? We're family. And I just love when I walk into this church, because this church has so much diversity in it. I just love when we come here, and we have all kinds of people, and I'm just thinking, this is awesome. This is the way it's supposed to be. The blood of Jesus transcends any of our differences. It doesn't matter whether we're white or black or Latino or Asian or Spanish or Serbian or Russian or anything else or from Puerto Rico. It doesn't matter where or from Africa. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're young or old or we got money, we don't have money, or we're educated or uneducated, or we're male or female. None of that matters, y'all. None of that none of that differentiates us. Because when you walk in this door, we see each other in public, all that goes aside and we hug each other and love each other and tell each other we love each other because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't it awesome? Somebody give God praise this morning. It's awesome. And right now with attention in America, they need to get their eyes off everything else and it might help them to get go to some churches like this and realize that there is something that can unify this country and it's not going to be the Democrats or the Republicans and it's not going to be a different president or the president we have now and it's not going to be anything else. There's only one thing that can bring people together who are so radically different and it is Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings. That is what brings us together as one. You have intimacy with God. You have immediate, uh, an immediate family. You're integrated immediately into family. Here's the last one. You are a recipient of God's blessings. You know, dads take care of their kids. Well, the Heavenly Father takes care of us. Sinners get the general blessings from God. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust. That's in the Bible. I know when it rains at my house, if I got a neighbor across the street who's a sinner, it, it, it's not like it rains on my yard but doesn't rain on his yard. That would be kind of weird. Kind of cool, maybe. But uh, it doesn't work that way. God sends rain on everybody. It's called common grace. But when you're a child of God, there's a special grace that's called the favor of God. And it's not fair, and the world doesn't understand it. You just serve the Lord. You get a promotion, and they don't. Why'd she get a promotion? I've been here longer than her. What's so special about him? It's not her or him that's special. It's their father. They, they connected. They know somebody that you don't know. It's the favor of God. And so the Lord blesses us. James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. By the way, this is why you need to be incredibly grateful to God all the time. And then Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
every spiritual blessing. Y'all, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, if you want to be closer to God, if you need, if you want the protection of God, if you need the favor of God, if you need God to lead you, if you need the wisdom of God, if you need God to tell you something, do I need to keep going? Every spiritual blessing is yours. Woo. Matthew 7, 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who just simply ask him? He know, the Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. You just ask him. And one place, Luke, he says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to close with this story. I read this story about a, back in the day there was a, 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 a an organization, it was a boarding care home that housed children for adoption. We still have these today. And a young couple went there wanting to adopt a child. And so in preparation, the caretaker had taken all the children and bathed them and dressed them nicely, and they were all behaving themselves mannerly. And the, the young couple came in and went down the line talking to each of the child. But when they got finished, they said, these are all lovely children, but they're they're not, they're not what we're looking for. They said, do you have any other children here? And the caretaker said, well, there's one. We didn't bring him out, but he's not bathed. He's not dressed, and they said, we'd like to see him. And they brought the little boy out, and he was, in, he was dirty. His hair was uncombed. His clothes were ragged and torn. He didn't even have shoes on. Next to all those other nicely dressed, well-mannered children, he felt ashamed. He hung his head. With tears in their eyes, they talked to the little boy. With tears in their eyes, the couple looked at the caretaker and said, we want him. And the caretaker said, why do you want him? He is one of the most ill-mannered children we have. He's not well-behaved. We, his own parents didn't want him. He's difficult. Why would you want him? And this is what they said. They said, we see the blessing of God on him, and we see our home being a blessing to him. We want him. And the caretaker said, well, do you want me to clean him up before? I? They said, nope. Listen, they said, we'll take him just the way he is. When I read that story, I said, if that's not an illustration of God the Father, I don't know what is. And when you come to God, you come messy, hair uncombed, dirty, ragged and torn. Sin's got your life a wreck. You have your head hung in shame because of the sinful things you've said and done. You're living under the weight of guilt. You're terrified of God. You don't even know how to, you're, you're, you're definitely ill-behaved because you're a sinner. So you do all the wrong things. And yet God looks at you and says, I want you. And somebody say, why would you want, why would you want that person? And God says, because I see my blessings upon you. And I see what blessing you could be in my family. I want you in my family. And God says, you don't have to clean yourself up. You just come just as you are. I'll take you just as you are. I've told you, I've met people in years of pastoring that have said to me, I've tried to get them to come to the Lord and give them invitations. And they say, well, I know I need to get saved, but I need to straighten up a few things first. I just shake my head. And sometimes I'll look at them and say, it doesn't work that way. You're just making excuses. You don't straighten up anything like you've got to clean up to come to God to get cleaned up. You'll clean up. You just come like you are. 
He'll clean you up. He'll straighten you out. He'll fix your life. He'll change you. And listen, he'll, you, all you have to do is just come just as you are. And he'll save you. And he'll change you. And he'll take you as his own child. And it's awesome. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.